If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Episode 220, we talked the Comedy Store's 50th anniversary. Frank Sinatra driving over scary bridges, getting lost in the woods, mayonnaise sandwiches, pickles, the Rat Pack, basketball, water polo, and much, much more. Mike Black is on the episode. And by the way, just talking about Frank Sinatra, I was talking to my son, Austin, who just walked in the room. Austin, a.k.a. Austin, the bass boss. How you doing, Austin? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I see you have a guitar. you're, You're a little bit of a crooner, am I right? Yeah, I guess you could say that. How many instruments can you play? A lot. A lot. More than one? Of course. I'd say about about 10 to 40, I guess. And what are your favorites to play, your top three? Um, piano, guitar, and bass. That's right. And that's why you're Asta Bass Boss. That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, you and I do a little father and son bonding. Father and son bonding. Give us a little crooner. Give us a little Frank Sinatra on the guitar. I don't, I don't know. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars That's me joining in the words Hold my hand In other words Thanks, baby, kiss me Blend into the Pocket Party Podcast theme song. You guys stay tuned. Enjoy this episode. It's episode 220. Do me a favor, huge favor. Leave some comments on YouTube. It helps the algorithm. If you're on YouTube, go check out uh, Darren Carter, D-A-R-R-E-N Carter, and also my son, Os the Bass Boss, all one word, on YouTube. And uh, hey, why not? Hit that PayPal, DarrenCarter.com. I'm also on the Cash App, dollar sign, Darren Carter Comic. And Venmo, Darren Carter Comic on Venmo. Okay, take us out, Austin. Everybody listen to Darren Carter. We all know that he's the party starter. So if you want to listen to Pockets for free, listen to our Pocket Party. Pocket Party. Now start that party. In your ears. <laughs>
Good job, buddy. Thank you. You got it. You too. Pocket party. And we're back, everybody. It's your host, Darren Carter, the party starter on the Pocket Party Podcast. We're calling Mr. Mike Black. Hello. Hello. Would you like to take a short survey today? No. Okay. (laughs) Why don't you go to hell? Dude, I used to do short surveys, and uh, that's pretty much how 95% of the phone calls went. (laughs) (laughs) People were like, not interested. No, thank you. Or they'd hang up. Or sometimes they'd just be lonely and take it. Oh, that's sad. Was the survey ever about how lonely you are? Yeah. (laughs) On a scale of 1 to 10, how lonely are you? Are you sitting at home watching The Wrestler right now? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have nothing better to do than take phone calls from strangers and talk to them? (laughs) What are you going to watch after The Wrestler? I don't know, when Harry met Sally or something. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, I've seen both of those movies. You know, a lot of times you name movies and I'm like, I never saw that, but those are two that I've seen. (laughs) What does that say about me? (laughs) I actually like those movies. The Wrestler was great. And I was, you know, I saw it a couple years ago. They were going to do a sequel to both of them called The Wrestler Meets Harry Meets Sally. (laughs) I'll wrestle what she's wrestling. Yeah. (laughs) Mickey Rourke just beats them both up for an hour and a half. I know. Yeah, those are good, dude. It's like, uh, that's something I find that if someone said, hey, do you want to watch this thing? It's going to make you sad. I'm like, no, I don't want to watch it. But if you're already watching it, and then you're like, oh, this is actually pretty good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was, it, they were both uh, uh, good movies. Uh, the Wrestler, I wanted to see before it came out, just off of, it said Mickey Rourke, The Wrestler. I was like, I bet that's going to be good, whatever that is. And then it came out and it just kind of blew me away how good it was. And him and I forget her name, who's on Westworld uh, that played his daughter. And uh, oh, yeah, I always want to say Mira Sorvino and it's not Mira Sorvino. The lady who played Aunt May and Spider-Man. Yeah, I don't know the actors or actresses' names, except for I did know Mickey Rourke, but yeah, she was really yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, whoever she is, she's a great actress. And uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing it, thinking it was great, and I uh, called my parents, and I was like, you guys have to see this movie. And even though he was up for an Academy Award for it, and it was up for Best Picture and all this stuff, they could not find it anywhere in Colorado. It just never played. There was like one one theater played it for like a day and a half, and then it was out of the theater. You know, Colorado. They take the wrestling serious. They're like, no, no, no. We're not showing any of the dark side of wrestling. Right. Uh, they're just not real into independent cinema either, for the most part. You know, <laughs> or they weren't back then. I think now that it's all you know legalized pot and everything, there's probably tons of places you could have seen it. You know. Yeah. But like at that time, if you, if you, I remember when I was uh, growing up, they had a theater in Denver that played every uh, independent movie. And it was like, you still felt like I should be wearing a raincoat coming into this place. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Did they sell popcorn at least? 
Yeah, and a friend of mine worked there for a while, and their popcorn machine was legendarily awful. It was like because it would spray hot butter on the employees. <laughs> oh no! They're like even our popcorn's independent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they would have to like shield themselves with the plastic door whenever anyone wanted popcorn. That's funny. It's funny when you look back at certain things that are like that would never fly today with like health and code regulations. Oh and- no, never. Dude, I was I was on the swim. I was telling somebody the other day. I was a, I talked to a professional water polo player. He played water polo professionally for twelve years, and uh, I told him I played for about two weeks. Yeah, not professionally. I was in high school. I was on the JV team, but the reason that they discontinued the water polo program is the paint kept coming off into the pool and making the cloud, the the water all milky white, like clouded it up with paint. And they oh, were like, God. they're like, yeah, we better stop this. <laughs> and so uh, they had. Yeah, a, there's all sorts of like mercury and lead and stuff like that in paint back then. Oh yeah, especially in the 80s. You know, they didn't care about. It. I mean, I'm sure that thing was painted in the who knows the 60s or <laughs> who knows when. But so then they were like, okay, now we're just going to play basketball because it's the same concept: taking the ball, <laughs> throwing it, and like your cardio. Right. Your cardio. But I'm like, I did that for a couple of days, and I was like, nah, I, I didn't want to be on the basketball team. I want to be on the water polo team. So. <laughs> you know I I, I I i remember telling that story on stage a couple of times and i was like i was like and it was really difficult playing basketball wearing swim fins and speedos <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like that you wanted to bring to that play back the, the most white privilege possible sport that, that could be offered <laughs> right not polo not a uh, water polo water yet. polo that's right i want to play water polo and the then only they... sport that has like a break for cucumber sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> i know okay guys we're gonna have some cucumber and mayonnaise sandwiches can we skip the cucumbers <laughs> and just have the mayonnaise sandwich i used to do that by the way you... God. oh wow Dan. <laughs> yeah i know dude have you ever had a mayonnaise sandwich that is... <laughs> no that is how do you I don't know how you do it, how you manage to find the widest possible version of all things. <laughs> I used to, you, you, you even found the whitest sandwich you could possibly make. I know. I used to, dude, I literally would take uh, pickles and, and chop them up, and then I'd put pickles on white bread and then <laughs> on, with white mayonnaise. Dude, it was delicious. <laughs> oh, God. I'm surprised you weren't beaten up at lunch every day. <laughs> no, I did. I did this at home. I did this at home. Oh, thank God! I was like, yeah. I was like, I, if I saw some pasty redheaded kid eating a <laughs> mayonnaise sandwich, I know, I know. I, would, I wouldn't have even wanted to. I'd have been like, Darren, I'm sorry, but I have to bully you today. I know. It's so you funny because I think I've heard like either, I don't know if there were like Latino comedians or black comedians. I've heard them talk about white people loving, you know, mayonnaise sandwiches. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so true though. It's, it's true. It's, you know, the comedy store legend, Martin Mull, right? Yes. Yes. He did a, a show. It was so far ahead of its time that if they brought it out now, I bet it would be a massive, massive hit. He did an HBO special called The History of White People in America. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they followed this one family, and each family member had their own personal jar of mayonnaise. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) And, like, the dad was like, "Um, we need to have a family meeting because 
my mayonnaise jar is uh, about an inch lower than it's supposed to be. And <laughs> you guys each have your own. And I don't know why this is happening. We have the sign out sheet and everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they cut to the two boys. They're both like, uh, like five and six years old. Yeah. And they're playing with transformers and they're fighting and they're going, they're going, you're a Japanese. No, you're a Japanese. Oh gosh. <laughs> it's, an amazing special like how like self-aware it was back then but if, if i love it when people can like it. celebrate and poke fun of themselves and you know all different totally. you know what i mean as opposed to like oh i don't know like i like it when it's and it's done in a good like good-hearted way you know what i mean yeah like, yeah it was totally a good-natured thing but but like what was funny is it was like uh, i remember going to school and yeah i don't it's different than it than it is now, obviously. But like back then, if you had cable, it was kind of your responsibility to reenact any comedy shows. That <laughs> oh, you that's saw right. Yeah, 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 yeah. For the kids that didn't have cable, and I think a lot of those kids became comedians because of it. You know, but like I would reenact all the different ones that I saw, and one of my friend it was like i had like three black friends and three white friends and i asked the three black friends of i was like did you guys see um a history of white people in america and we were like that's for white people and i was like no it's really funny and i was like i tried to pitch it to them before i reenacted it yeah, yeah. And, and they were like nah tell us about the other thing that was on you know like they actually got to like switch channels you know they're like, no. they're like nah <laughs> like, that's... No, we'd rather hear about something else but it, but i was like i bet they would think this is a, a riot if they actually i know. Hear, you know i know and then you do realize sometimes like how similar people are like like i'll be watching something and, and then it'll you know and it'll be like directed more towards like you know black people and I'm like, hey, right. wait a second, I do that. Or I'm like, I do the same thing, you know? Like, maybe yeah. it's like a southern <laughs> upbringing. I don't know. Like, there's yeah. something that's... Yeah, and don't you get kind of indignant? You're like, hey, we all do that. I mean, we all do... What the... <laughs> exactly, like... Yay. Like, there's a guy who, do, who does a brilliant thing on TikTok where he'll put a video of something. It'll just be like a bowl spinning or something. Yeah. But he'll write in the text for my male followers and it'll just be a bowl spinning and all his female followers will be like hey i like to watch bowls spin too how dare you how dare you not not saying anything controversial he's just saying this is for his male viewers but it gets everyone so pissed that they're (laughs) like well i like watching a bowl spin too no you don't Nobody likes sitting and watching a bowl. <laughs> I know. But because they said you can't have it, yeah. you want it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I'll show you. That right. is funny, though, about but water. But he does it to the guys, too. He'll be like, oh, for my female viewers. I like watching uh, caramel drips. But how dare you? That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> See, that guy's smart. He's getting the comment section loaded up. And by the way, yeah. if you're listening to this on YouTube, leave a comment. Dang it. It helps that algorithm. Yeah. Uh, if if you're a male, leave a comment. Oh yeah, only the males. No, actually, I think I have more males. If, only the females. No. Only the females leave a comment. Hey, ladies, I know this water polo podcast slash mayonnaise sandwich topic just pulled you in. Yeah, that, that would work for a lot of ladies out there. I think. Yeah. I, 
water polo and cucumber yeah. uh, sandwiches means that dude's got money. <laughs> I know. Hey, that is kind of funny though, huh? Like it went from water polo to instantly like, nah, we're gonna play basketball. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, we're good. That has we're nothing good to water. do with what I. It has nothing to do with what I envisioned. I wanted water polo, not basketball. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be funny if they made us play against the basketball team where all, all these white guys with sunscreen on our nose, snorkels, swim fins, speedos. Yeah, I remember George Carlin's great joke about water polo. He goes, I don't support it because it's extremely cruel to the horses. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Dude, that's funny, man. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, w- I woke up today and I, uh, you know, to, before the show, I put on a little Frank Sinatra. I told you I've been on a little Frank Sinatra jag. You know, it's one of those things like you know, you, you know <laughs> they called him old old mayonnaise, old mayonnaise, old blue eyes, the old blue uh, eyes. chairman that, of the board. That was his more popular nickname. <laughs> no, I, f- I found this really cool clip this weekend, and I, I typed in Frank Sinatra live, and there was a clip of him back as a whole concert of him backstage. Uh, I'm sorry, a concert in Las Vegas. What was really cool is it opened up with the camera on him backstage, like he's in his dressing room tightening his tie. You know, he's pouring his drinks. He's he spilled a little, and he's and he's cleaning it up. And as you're seeing this, the audio that you're hearing is what's on stage. And what mm-hmm. was on stage was was the opening act, and it was a comedian. Turns out it was Jackie Gale, and. I just thought okay. that was so yeah. cool because it, it really puts you backstage, like what it was like in the in the either the late '60s or the early '70s, and you're hearing uh, the comic on stage, and and he's like, "Now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the chairman of the board, Mr. Frank Sinatra." And then the camera follows him, and he, you see the the showroom in Las Vegas, and I don't know, it just kind of had that classy kind of throwback yeah. feel, and. And I was just thinking, like, man, there's so much about Frank Sinatra, like that I I could totally dive into now. I looked it up. There's so many books written about him, the rap, these Rat Pack movies, and and uh, yeah. do you did you ever get into a Frank Sinatra? Do you know much about him? Uh, just the basic sort of stuff that everyone knows. Uh, I I was more into the the Rat Pack as a group than him individually. Yeah, you know, like I I would love to have been able to time travel and see like one of their live shows in vegas you know where they would like you know film a movie during the day in la and then fly out to vegas and do a show that night and i was like i don't know of any better existence than that you could possibly have than that like to me as an entertainer oh yeah like that sounded so fun like and that their show was just five or six really talented people, you know, given the night, uh, just hanging out and doing their thing and that it worked, you know, they, there wasn't like a real structure to it. You know, they'd play part of a song and then start joking around and then yeah, maybe that's, play another song, you know. That's one of the things I noticed about this concert that I was watching. I, you know, like I said, I only watched a couple of songs. I saw his opening and just his rapport with the audience. It kind of reminded me of a stand-up comic, like down-to-earth, but stage presence and, yeah. you know, going to tell stories. It wasn't like, um, you know, like sometimes rock bands will... You know, they'll they'll have like the pre-show video and it builds you up and then there's fire and, you know, like Kiss or somebody or they'll come swinging in on some crazy swing through the crowd. And it's like, that's exciting. Yeah. Too. It's almost like a Cirque du Soleil. This was not like that at all. This was like 
just like you know a big band and he comes out hey everybody how are you? you know he just comes out and it was like just really cool like yeah in a different and, kind and, of way and like elvis kind of split the difference mm-hmm. where he would do like some crowd patter but he would also like have that big introduction too but he could make it intimate when he wanted it to be you know and uh but like when sinatra was by himself he was he was interesting and and he's such a talent that it didn't matter but like when he had uh sammy davis jr or dean martin to play off of or god you know joey bishop you know uh and they were able to like banter back and forth that was a lot more fun because they had like they each had their own like stage persona mm-hmm. that was you know like sinatra was kind of you know <laughs> drowsy and you know yeah <laughs> clearly didn't want to work any more than he had to at, at, <laughs> at any given moment and uh dean martin was you know played a, a much bigger drunk than he was but he was so likable and so good at it oh yeah i'd listen to some of these um i was listening to some of these podcasts that would talk about that and they'd all be you know in the lounge or in the casino or wherever they'd be like maybe at frank's room they'd be drinking till you know 5 a.m. or whatever and they said that frank was always uh, i'm sorry dean was always the first one to check out you know like it'd be like 2 a.m all right yeah. boys i'm gonna go upstairs you know he'd like you would think he was this big party animal but he didn't know he just he wanted to be in bed by like you yeah know, he liked to get up and, early and hit the golf course and yeah you know and, and and he was just such he had such charisma it was just off the charts that, oh, like everybody just wanted to be his friend you know I was thinking about this with Frank. Um, like the other day, I, I put on the, the you know the Frank Sinatra channel in my uh, my car and on, on Sirius XM. I think it's channel seventy or seventy one. Yeah, and there was a song I'd never heard before, and I'm like, this is so good. And it was called the Coffee Song, and it's all about coffee in Brazil. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was so good though. You're hearing like the band, and he's like, coffee in Brazil, and it's just so. <laughs> so good dude uh, you, as you're listening to this, made I'm, everything work yeah know? yeah i'm picturing myself at some cool banquet some wedding reception like this cool like show <laughs> like like the you know what i mean like a, an award ceremony and just i don't know it just yeah. it just really puts you in this cool place of like something nice is happening you're dressed nice and you know nothing nothing bad in the world could happen not even a slap from will smith i mean just just not, right. Nothing. Well, they, yeah. no, they were the opposite of that. They were the ones who got the Friars Club, you know, televised for the first time. Mm. You know, and they they did the Dean Martin uh, Friars Club roasts, and those are all on YouTube, by the way. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. 
Democrats tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, and they oh, are, I gotta watch those. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. Because they, each member of the Rat Pack got roasted, but also a ton of other people, like Orson Welles, all sorts of people. And... Dean Martin would always host it and he would get uh, Don Rickles to to really kind of like he was the one who would actually go up and do a lot of the emceeing a lot of the time. But Rickles had such an amazing laugh and <laughs> yeah. so did Dean Martin yeah. that whenever they cut to them, it just made everybody else laugh immediately. <laughs> Even if the joke didn't land, yeah. uh, they would both, they were both just so fun to watch and Sinatra you you got to see like the really funny side of Sinatra or Sammy Davis Jr. Like Sammy Davis Jr. There was not an instrument that guy met that he couldn't play. So he talented. Was, right since he was like you know, four or five years old. Yeah. And, and could dance and people don't you know they say like oh you know so and so is a triple threat or they're a song and dance man. He really was. He was like on a whole other level than what most people you it's like you'd have to see it to believe it honestly and like when he was in his prime you know like as he got older like anyone else dancers it's when they get older they're just not quite as good but yeah if you can find any footage of him like in the 60s Man. Even in like you I think know. 1970, 71, he had the Candyman song. I listened to it. Yep. And um, I never realized how much he enunciates. He's like, the Candyman can. The Candyman. Yeah, you understood yeah. every lyric. Yeah. And, uh, he was so gifted and so talented. You know, it, as crazy as this sounds, most people just don't believe it when they hear it. The role of Beetlejuice was originally written for him. Wow! Like it was going to be a whole other type of movie, really, uh, with uh, him playing the, the the main character. But at, at the time, he just was doing other stuff, and so they went uh, a different way with Michael Keaton. And uh, but like a singing and dancing Beetlejuice would have been <laughs> really interesting, you know. Absolutely. Hey, did you when earlier when you mentioned Orson Welles? Did you ever see that Orson Welles and Robert Blake trade jabs with each other on Carson? No, no. I okay, I've, I've, uh, I'm going to play this. I've queued it up. It's 30 seconds. Let me turn this up. And uh, this is it, it's pretty cool. It's like Robert Blake makes a little jab, 
at Orson about his weight, and then Orson hits him back. Here, check this out. Let's see. Uh... Have you met Mr. Wells before? Mr. Wells. You make wimpy look skimpy. Well, well you see, uh, I'm fat and you're ugly, but I can diet. I think I'm going to lock up early. I, uh... <laughs> that was it. That was That's it. amazing. Yeah, it was cool because I and I don't think it was. I mean, you never know. You really never know on these things. But it didn't not look like it was planned because even when Robert Blake said the line, he kind of yeah. put his hand on his shoulder, almost like joking, like you know, hey buddy, you know what I mean, like right. And then the way they looked at each other, and then Orson Welles fired back with that, and then you just see like the. <laughs> it was yeah. Or- Orson Welles was not someone to mess with. Like, I know in, in <laughs> any capacity, uh, like. Uh, that he was a, a renowned wit um and his best friend was john houseman it was like an old english wit oh yeah so it's like you can't keep up with someone like that every day and not be pretty good at it you know <laughs> yeah and it, that was kind of making the rounds like after the the will smith chris rock incident because they were like <laughs> you know what i mean like it was almost like that remember when people could take a joke and you know that kind of yeah. thing and would just you know fire back and not cry or you know, like the Don Rickles, I know I've been seeing tons of Don Rickles clips after that, the way he would go oh, after. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, watch the celebrity roast. They had, you know, everybody would just get annihilated by Rickles, and they would love it because they knew it was going around. Everyone was getting made fun of. And, and I think that's the thing that no one's really even addressed about the Academy Awards was, it wasn't like they were the only two people that were getting joked about that night. Right. They joked about everybody in the room. You know, it was you know it wasn't just like they, uh, everyone's. The way people tell it now is like, well, he singled out Jada Pinkett Smith to assassinate with comedy. <laughs> you I know. know. It's like, I know. No, pretty much everybody got something, and and really mentioning jada pinkett smith is kind of a favor oh yeah you know like yeah she absolutely she doesn't have a whole lot going on that she's known for other than an open marriage you know right, right. The, that's the, the latest moment. news like the red table we an open marriage she cheated and some younger guy and you know all that stuff yeah will smith and, is her husband i mean it's really what you and you everyone know. acts like like chris rock knew that she had alopecia most people and, i would say you know, we didn't know that until afterwards. Like, we don't know. Like, I, and I remember that night googling stuff, and all the stuff about that was from like four hours ago. It was like, I'll go, I'll go much further than that. More people now are, even know what the hell alopecia is yeah. than ever did that night, right? You know, and so it's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, comedy's terrible. Com- you know, joking about people is horrible. Is it because it? sure raised a lot of awareness about a certain condition that nobody was talking about you know uh two weeks ago that's right you know and and brought a lot of attention to her specific cause you know so i don't know take one take take a lump for the team i don't normally write jokes about stuff like that like people go this must be great for comedy but um but i started working with fraser 
And dude, that guy's a topical guy. He's like, he's like, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll go have lunch and he'll be like, do you have anything? So I'm like, dude, it's just like endless. It's in fact, it's almost too much where, you know, right. like, uh, what's the one I put up today? We did a video. I said, uh, um, I go, Hey Fraser, how about the gas prices they are so high? And he's like, Oh yeah. I saw Will Smith slap a gas station attendant. <laughs> you know like like that or that's or, a good solid joke yeah. that's a good one right i kind of stumbled over it but another one he has is uh they're all short too for phrase right uh yeah. uh um well now we know why jazzy jeff went solo <laughs> remember that one for uh the jazzy jeff and the fresh prince or no um right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh what else did we come with um, he goes hey Fr- uh, i go hey Fraser, how's the career and he's like oh it's going good i just booked gi jane too <laughs> you know, he's like, I just got to shave my head and lose some weight. Anyone know that can slap me into shape? <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's a will, there's a way, you know, whatever. So it's just, and I find that, you, you know, we have to put those videos out like every other day. You don't want to do it too many in a row because then it just gets stupid, but it's like, right. You know, but, but there's all those. Uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, he, he's, I, I don't know if he's got uh, talked about this, but he's basically cornered the market on dad humor exactly someone told him that like i think it was mark maron or somebody they were like dude but you do it you do the dad humor but so like he just his delivery is just but yeah but that should be his like his hook with the modern audience like the king of dad humor (laughs) yeah dad jokes i know dude and that's i don't know why but like i'm just easy to it's easy for me to write that for him, you know, like, like we've been writing together. Yeah. And, and I remember I, when he used to, even back in the, when he was hosting potluck in 2019, 2018, I'd watch him and I'd be like, Hey, what about this? What about that? And, and it, and he would try it and it was like, and then we started doing these writing sessions and then now we're filming them. And it's like, it's so, uh, I don't know. It works. It works. It's like, he's got the suit, the look, and then, you know, um, yeah. But anyways, that was uh, so. Yeah, uh, one more thing I was gonna say about Frank is, imagine like. Oh, by the way, I I didn't even know he did this. Did you know he covered a Beatles song? He covered um, something. He covered something, and he covered uh, yesterday, and maybe more. I don't know. Maybe there's some big fans out there like yesterday. I can't sing, but all my yeah. troubles seem so far away. Whatever. Yeah, he, he covered he covered a few of their songs, I think, and. Uh, but yeah, he he has such a somber, yeah, sort of so voice. somber, like, and, and people a song like, like yesterday comes off. Oh yeah, people in the comment so section. Yeah, people in the comment section were like, "Imagine a fifteen or sixteen year old George Harrison knowing one day Frank Sinatra would be covering your your song." It's like, <laughs> or that you you'd know. be out selling Frank Sinatra one day, <laughs> like, you know, like that Frank Sinatra was. <laughs> was dreading that you were coming. I know. Imagine him just crushing. I was thinking about all these great songs, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, here comes my way. And here comes New York, New York. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's life. And then he ends with the, I mean, come on. It's like, but also I was thinking about this. like One more for the road. And, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, He's got strangers in the night. He's got... The way you look tonight, summer wind. I mean, fly me to the moon. You make me feel so. I looked at one of his first big hits. I don't even know. It was like three coins in a fountain. Oh yeah, that's uh, a great. Uh, it's one of my dad's favorite songs. Really, I'll have to listen to it sometime. Also used beautifully in the uh, the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 
where uh, John Candy and Steve Martin are on a bus with a bunch of other people. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the, they're all doing a sing-along, and Steve Martin's, like, is so, like, antisocial, and he tries to open up for the first time, and he's like, I, I, I've got a song. And uh, John Candy, me, Neil Page has a song, everybody. Neil Page, give it to me. Three coins <laughs> in a fountain. <laughs> Each one seeking happiness. Each thrown by three hopeful of them. Something. <laughs> they all, everyone just looks so angry <laughs> that he brought up this song. And so then John Candy, Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. <laughs> and everyone, they're the modern Stone Age fam. <laughs> oh, I think I remember that part. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it was really great. It just showed it was such a lesson in how comedy works too that like if your reference is too obscure people are just going to get mad at you. <laughs> yeah. But if you come up with something that everyone recognizes, they're going to love it, you know. I watched uh last night I watched Little House on the Prairie and and you're the only one I ever talk to this about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't I am I'm yeah. such a a loathing for that show now. <laughs> I know. And this is like, even my wife was like, yeah, don't do this. The episode wasn't that good. I'm like, no, no, I got to tell Mike about it. It's called, it did. Listen, this one was good. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't great. I will say this. It wasn't great. I didn't cry. I didn't really, <laughs> but it's called men will be boys. And I'll just give you the gist of it. You need like a, a, yeah. a Darren little house a meter. Yeah, exactly. Like- you rating all the different little house episodes i know there was uh basically these these uh the, the, the these two little boys they started you know they're i don't know they might have been around 11 or 12 maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe 12 or 13 and they started working right they started working you know doing like cleaning up the pasture mending fences getting money during this is during their summer vacation they loved it and so they were like so they come home and then the parents are mad you know they're like you're not cleaning your room. And he's like, well, you know, I don't have time. I have to work. And then the father's like, that's it. Charles Ingalls walks him out to the chicken coop. You need to clean this chicken coop. And he's like, but I'm busy working. I don't. And he's like, working, you're a boy still. And he's like, well, and he starts going, do I men fist? That's a man's job. Do I do? That's a man's job. He's like, well, I'm a man, <laughs> you know? And then Charles is kind of stumped. And he's like, just get in there and clean that chicken coop. And, uh, and I love this line because he goes, he goes, he goes, uh, he said something like he's like well that's not he goes why don't you just work for us and he's like well that's an allowance and that's something boys get he goes i want to get paid like a man and then and he goes you said a man chops wood a man clears and plows and then he goes clean the coop albert just clean the coop and i love this line the kid goes grown-ups whenever you're wrong they they yell at you (laughs) grown-ups and so the two fathers they uh, they decide. Okay, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do what my dad did to me. He goes, we'll send them on a wilderness trek, and then they'll realize that they're not men; that they're scared little boys. And so they send them. They they drop them off in the woods. They go, all right, boys. You know, go go pick up go, go pick up a letter. It's it's like it's like a five day hike. Wait, and what, can I guess what happens from here? So, oh, should I tell you one more bit of information before you guess? Just, sure. just okay. They send them to town. Right? I mean, they drop them off right at the edge of the woods. All right, you guys are going to go. But then they're going to, the dads are going to secretly trail them and make sure that they're okay. All right, cool. You can, oh, okay. you can guess now what you think happens. So I, I'm assuming this was the season finale of the show. It and might, yeah. and that I, yeah. the two dads watch their sons get eaten by a bear. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, this backfired. Well, well I will tell yeah, you this. I, I will tell you this. It, it was not the season finale. And here, in fact, as you're watching it, my wife goes, she goes, well, I know they're going to be okay because there's an episode after this. <laughs> <laughs> that episode could be their funeral <laughs> exactly little funeral on the prairie no but they, they, uh, do, do you have any uh, should i give you uh, i'll tell you more of the story you want to keep guessing yeah yeah okay no, tell me more all right so they start to head into the woods and the one little boy is like all right now that we're out of our you know parents vision he goes let's just cheat circle back and take the road into town enough of this going over the you know the hills and through the woods and <laughs> over the river i want to prove that i'm a man I'm- <laughs> yeah and go back to the city. And then his friend was like, no, we gave him our honor. We said we would do it. We're going to do it. And he's like, and the guy goes, well, nobody will know it but us. And he's like, yeah, but you'll know it. And I'll know it. And I'll tell everybody that you're a, you know, a cheat. And he's like, yeah. okay, all right. So then they start, they start, you know, they're walking through the woods. <laughs> the parent, the two dads are kind of like spying on him. Like, there they are. Okay. And then the tables start to turn where the little boys fish they they learn how to start they start a fire they're cooking the fish and the the dads are like dang that fish sure does smell good like they didn't bring any supplies they brought like a, like a pocket full of, <laughs> they brought jerky in their pocket that was about it right and the, the but then the little boys are like oh i burned the fish so they throw the fish out and then the dads are like okay good they'll they, they'll they'll want to head out in the morning so then they in the morning we'll, we'll go eat that burned fish yeah exactly the morning you hear a noise like and it's a rabbit and that, that they caught in their trap and they're like oh boy so they go the, the dads are looking through the woods they're like okay there they are they got the rabbit and then the two boys are like they're looking at the sad little rabbit and they're like i can't do it and then the guy goes i can't do it either ah <sighs> all right so then they let the rabbit go and then the dads are like aha we knew it and then the boys are like let's just go home they're like all right so then they start to circle back <laughs> to the road and then they spot like a tree that or like a bush that has berries they're like, oh look at all these berries and then they start just <laughs> eating all these berries and the dads are like dang and then, the, and then the boys are like then the boys are like all right let's go and then the fathers are like, oh, man, those berries are looking good. And they go, oh, man, they didn't leave us any berries. Dang it. <laughs> so now the dads are cold. They're hungry. The boys keep going. They, they, uh, then a storm hits. Oh, my gosh. Finally, they get into town, right? It's raining, crazy storm. And then they're like, all right, they're going to go home now. Like, what are they going to do? They don't have any money. So then yeah. the, the little boys, they hatch a plan. They go to this hotel. It's basically like a bed and breakfast. And they lie to the, they lie to the lady. We're little orphans. We don't have any parents, and we're wet. So the mom or whatever the, the caretaker gives them food, lets them stay the night. Meanwhile, the dads are peeking through the hotel window, and then the <laughs> the constable, the town sheriff or whatever, comes up with a rifle. What are you guys doing? You you? And he's like, Oh, we're just uh, those are we're following these kids. Following kids, are you? <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. Great. Yeah, I know. And he goes, "Do you have any?" Like he asks him, "Oh, we don't bring any money or nothing." Oh, get out of here! You got you got one minute to get out of here. I'll, I'll you know I'll blow your head off or whatever. Oh, yikes! So then the next thing you know, they, <laughs> you guys smell like burned fish. Exactly. <laughs> so then they find a uh, they find an empty barn, and meanwhile there's some hobo in there, and he's like, "You boys just want to work for free? You think everything's free in this world?" He's like, "You you can spend the night if you clean up this." So now the boy, the the two fathers are learning. You know, they got to clean the. I like that the hobo's roasting the two fathers <laughs> exactly. about being lazy. He's lazy bum. Yeah. And then meanwhile, the kids they get a you know they have more food than they can imagine. They put extra food in their backpack. They're warm. They're dry. The next morning, 
they got the letter the next morning the they're following the the two boys and they th- there's a part where there's a, the rain had made the river rise and they they uh, they're they're like ah they're trapped now they'll give up I mean, they're just, yeah. <laughs> now they'll give up. Yeah. Well, so then the boys are like, well, let's just go downstream. And they go downstream. And then they found this one place where there was a tree that there you have to, you know, you could jump on the log and cross the river. Mm-hmm. Of course, the boys do it. The dads attempt to do it. They fall off into the river. They lose their oh, hats. They're soaking wet. <laughs> I know. And, uh, and then of course they, they get home and, Ta-da, everyone learns a lesson and you know, blah, blah, blah. But it, <laughs> it was like a good adventure and it was I was entertained by it, but it was like it did there's no there's nothing really there that was like you know, it was like sad or, you know, made you laugh that hard. No, I like the line about uh grown ups when, when they're wrong they yell at you. Ugh. It's true, right? And I was I was thinking about that, and I was also thinking about like I think even as an adult, I wouldn't want to do that adventure. Would you want to do that? Would you want to go on a two day hike in the woods? No, uh, I am not the outdoor type. I don't know if you figured that out from our, <laughs> any of our conversations previously. Yeah. I I barely want to do things indoors, let alone I I don't like roughing it. I I had a couple of you know Colorado was all about camping and you know being out in nature and uh california is uh, very much that way too you know but uh i just hate it i hate it so much i feel like we have cities now and that that should be the deal we leave mother nature alone <laughs> yeah you know like we shouldn't be out there every time i hear oh you know a wolf ate a guy i go well he should have stayed in the city Yep. You know, or, yep. you know, a guy gets attacked by a bear. It's like, yeah, that's where bears live. We have so much of the planet that is just ours now that really no one else. You yeah. know, I, I went hiking last week at Griffith Park. One of those days, it was about 100 degrees. And I, dude, I came within two feet of a rattlesnake. Yeah. I didn't realize it. I was, I was at the top of griffith park like there's a mountain i was up there and it was the part it was it was the heat of the day and there was about a two to three uh you know feet of shade along this one like mountain ridge along where the grass is or the weeds or whatever the trees and the bush and the shrubs and i'm walking on that side so i can get a little bit of shade and i was like you know normally i wouldn't walk that close to something i'd stay more in the middle of the path and out of nowhere i heard what sounded like sprinkler going off like it was like yeah i was literally like two to three feet from it and i heard like that noise like that and i was like whoa i was like and my brain went like why is there a spring and i looked down and it was a snake and it was going like so fast and i'd step back and i saw the thing and it just was that sprinkler's noise was so loud and i filmed it i put it on my uh, insta story that day i I mean i I was i filmed it from about 25 feet away (laughs) and zoomed in at that point but i didn't realize like it's not like a rattle isn't not like a like a rattle it's like a high intense sprinkler man like you'd see it like at a football field or something yeah, that is probably like a younger, faster one that, you know. Yeah, I'm very happy I didn't, nothing happened. It didn't strike me or anything. It, I must have just startled it or something. Like, Yeah, the, it's, they say they do it right before they strike. Wow. But it's also a warning. Like, just, you're in my area, get out, you know. 
Yeah, I looked it up later, and that's exactly right. And they said that they definitely want to get away from you. They're not really into like pursuing you. So I was like, hey, that's yeah. cool. Get out of here. I'm, I'm fine with that. You know? Yeah, if you kind of make it clear that you're not a threat, that you just want to back away. Other people are crazy. They'll keep walking towards it, and they'll try and fight it. You know? I know, or they'll grab a stick. and that rattler mess- for good luck. You know? <laughs> right. I know. In fact, I remember one time we were at Griffith Park. There was, I don't know what type of snake it was, but there was a, a hole in the ground, and the this man had grabbed the back of the snake and was kind of yank, pulling the snake, stretching the snake out of the hole, trying to, I think he was trying to impress a girl, like this one girl that was watching. And it looks, yeah. it looks so gross to me. I was just like, like he, he literally had probably about three, three, three or four feet of snake that he was pulling out of this hole. And he was all laughing, like, hey, he was this Latino guy with a gold tooth. He looked, that makes it a lot creepier. I know, dude. He was like this Latino guy with a gold tooth, and he was like, hey, he was like pulling it. And the, no. girl, the girl was like, she was like, kind of like, oh, he's crazy. Oh, my God, he's so crazy. And I was just, we were all, all the other, well, like. He is crazy if he's laughing while he's. I, dude, I know. Too. I was like, this guy's a real man. I was like, this guy's probably from. <laughs> Mexico, and he's like, you know, he's, like he's a real man. He's also a real creep. That's, that's <laughs> weird, uh, you know. I know the rest of us, like hikers or whatever we were, tourists. We instantly were like, "What the hell is this guy?" And you, and then it made me think, like all these holes I see in the ground out there. I'm like, dude, snakes yeah. may snakes might live in those things. Like I just, oh yeah, the- you think you're like, oh, I'll I'll stick my head right there, and a, a <laughs> groundhog will come out, and I'll catch it. You know, yeah, some cute and, little you know, gopher is going to pop out, or yeah. yeah. And, and imagine how terrifying that is for gophers when they're like, you know, they're oh, in their yeah. house, and a monster that perfectly fits their house comes in. <laughs> you know, I know <laughs> that's hilarious. It perfectly fits. It's like <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, oh no. Hey, what's the big idea? <laughs> we did not think this through. Yeah. If only we had thumbs where you could have put doors on the front of this place. <laughs> yeah. Or why don't we make our like a what's that thing? A round peg into a square or a square peg into a round hole or <laughs> yeah. something. Like we could have at least shaped it differently. This is so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. We, maybe we could have like triangle holes. Uh yeah. We need to put regroup a few sharp this. turns in here at least. <laughs> I know. They, uh, I was yeah. telling you on the phone the other day, man, I had to, somehow my GPS, it took me, I always go to Long Beach, I go to the Laugh Factor, and I always go the same way, I take the 710, it's, like, it's a nice little friendly, you know, it's like anything else with directions, once you learn, you could almost go on autopilot, like, oh, I, I go all the way, I know exactly where to, there's a big sign that says, welcome to Long Beach, it's all lit up, it's beautiful, you go left, you go right, and then I make another left, and there's like the Ferris wheel and Dave's famous rib. It's very touristy. It's by the waterfront, the Laugh Factory. However, something happened. I came from the 405, and I had to go over the Vincent Thomas Bridge coming from, I think, San Pedro. Dude, it's a total different way than – and what creeped me out about this bridge is it's so high – in fact, sadly, some people commit suicide off that bridge. Like they've jumped off of it. It's like they've used it in a million movies. They've blown it up, like in you know CGI style. It's like a it's a it's a uh, what do you call world it? famous bridge? Yeah, world famous with the span. What do you call it with the the, the cables? Oh, a suspension. Yes, bridge. yes. And I'm telling you, I don't. It made me nervous, man. I started getting that little pit in my stomach where I'm like, I don't like being on this bridge because it goes forever. 
Yeah. I don't know if you've been on it or a bridge like that, but it's not a. I've been on. I've been on things like that, but I don't know if it's that specific one. But there, like, I'm trying to think of where I went. That I think it might have been in San Diego. They have a bridge like that that you can drive to a little island. Oh yeah, I know what that is. That's um, you're talking about Cor- uh, not Corona Island, but uh, Catalina. Catalina? No, it? Catalina Island. No, no, it's uh, it's where uh, Marilyn Monroe and that famous hotel. Uh, gosh, sure. what's, it, what's it called? Yeah, it's that one. But, but yeah, and it, and it really gives you anxiety because you're like, you really start all of a sudden you're interested in who built it and how much they were paid to build it and what kind of materials they <laughs> use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, the Coronado Island. That's what I'm thinking of. The Coronado, Coronado Island. Coronado Island. That's the one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that one is eleven thousand feet long. Yeah. Yeah. That's how a, high? It's it's ridiculously high up. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's something everyone puts on postcards. Um, clearance below two hundred feet. Ugh. Yeah, it's. Oh yeah, yeah see, yeah. oh you're right because the 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 one that I was telling you about, oh it's 185 feet. So, so you're the bridge you're talking about is even higher. Yeah, so it's they're both. Pretty oh oh, close oh I'm the, sorry, I'm sorry. Actually, this one's double. This oral, it's 365 feet high. Yeah. You know, and you're not just falling; you're falling in your car. Oh, dude, it's you like so yeah, like yeah. You would have time like to land and hit something hard and as you're sinking you're like trying to open the doors and that doesn't work underwater uh, uh, everyone thinks oh i would just open the doors and they would open up easily no there's so much water pressure around the sides that y- your best bet is breaking the windows and everyone's like well i would just easily break the windows yeah they're made of glass razor sharp glass <laughs> like right, there's right. so many it is such a death trap that, like all these people act confused when someone when that happens to someone they're, why didn't they just do this or why didn't they just do that as soon as you make <laughs> that hole all the oxygen leaves <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i remember you what was know? scary about this bridge is like it's a two-part bridge where you're you think the thing's over with, and you're like, "Oh, finally land again!" Oh no, I'm back on the bridge right, again. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And yeah, I remember you have a little break point, and then you go to the next one. Yeah, yeah. When I did it, I don't know for some reason it made it extra creepy because it was nighttime and it was raining and it was like windy, and, oh, and it just you felt like the cars moving a little bit, and you're just like, "Oh gosh, man, like this is not." No. And um, I wasn't that afraid, but it definitely wasn't something that I was comfortable with. But I and I saw something on I think on Inside Edition where they hooked some lady up that. That was, that was like her phobia and they put all these um gopros in in, in her car and, oh. and and they were like and they had like a safety car in front of her and one behind her and they go look we're gonna be filming you you'll be safe if anything you know and they just wanted to get her reaction and, and you know kind of encourage her to go through it and i was like wow that's really you know did they have to bleep a lot of it probably i think so they're like she's like oh my gosh if it's just one long yeah i remember crossing the bay bridge up in san francisco a lot like because you know to get into the city of san francisco if you come from the east bay you have to go over the bridge and you know you kind of get used to it after a while and also there's like a i think eastbound traffic is on the bridge above you and westbound is goes so it's like a you know 
like that. So yeah, you, you know what's funny is like I know I've been on higher bridges and didn't care because there was traffic. Yeah. Yep. You know, like I don't <laughs> yeah, think about yeah. it at all when I'm like, will, "Will you just go? Just go." Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, when you're by yourself and you're the only one going over it, you're like, hmm. Like, and also the whole the whole area is like kind of, it's just different than the rest of things you see every day. Like there's all these cruise ships and containers and containments and that you're seeing signs that say Terminal Island. You know, all this, right. all this stuff down there. You're, it looks like something where you'd film like like a movie with like the bad guys down by the docks. And you know, the whole thing is just like, you know... Especially during a storm at night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, we didn't even talk about the comedy store. Oh, yeah. God, the comedy store 50th uh, that we both went to. Dude, how great was that? 50 years. 1972. so much fun. You know, with comics, you kind of expect a certain amount. With that large of a group, you expect a certain amount of drama to happen. You know, like people settling scores and stuff like that, any sort of entertainment industry thing. Yeah, yeah. You expect there to be some sort of, you know, cattiness and fighting and stuff like that. But I really, I personally didn't notice any of that. I just felt like... Oh, dude, we were all talking... Really good you know what... You, 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 we were all talking crap about you, and no, no, ah, okay. So no. each time I would enter the room, it would stop. <laughs> He's like, "This is a pleasant experience." Here he comes. No. I'm having a great time. Look at his stupid mustache. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. No, you're right. Though it was 100 percent like that. It was. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of a in, a in a way a little bit of a high school reunion or or you know like a some sort of reunion yeah. in a way, but in a good way though. And uh, you're right. There wasn't any drama. Nothing crazy and. There was you know? great food. I think that always helps. Great food and free booze. Oh, the food was and, like out of this world. I, I remember like there was a certain shirt I wanted to wear and I didn't want it to be too snug. So I was yeah. like, you know, let me kind of eat a little bit light that day. And then, you know, and then uh, I got there and I'm like, and they were like, oh, and I also ate right before I went there. And um, right. and then they had like the caterers walking around with different, um, you know, hors d'oeuvres. And I was like, oh, no, thank you. Or oh, I'll just try a little bit. And then as the night went on, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this food is so good. I'm just going all in. Who cares? My shirt fits. Who cares? It's like, you know what I mean? Like they yeah, had Thai they had food these... in the main room and Mexican food, and they had hamburgers. Yeah, and... yeah hamburgers. Uh, they had a whole Mexican bar. Um, was... We got these great gift bags at the end of the night with uh, free T-shirts and stuff. Oh, it was great. Like the in- yeah. NFTs you were telling me about with the – yeah, I think yeah. So I think they gave us each an NFT of the uh, tickets, the you know the fifty year anniversary comedy store ticket, gold and silver, and and they really made it about the comics. Like they put a bunch of new photos up on the walls, and uh, you know a lot of people who hadn't had photos up before, and they added a few names to the building and stuff. It was so nice. It was, so, it was it was it was just a really really great way of celebrating did you see willie did you see willie tyler and lester yeah yeah i saw them very briefly you know so i got there really early like the thing opened it's uh the event opened at seven and they wouldn't let you in until seven and uh i knew you said you were going to be there at six next door so i thought oh you know what i'll I'll get early park and i so i got there at 6 30 and uh dude it was hilarious the people in line at Mm -hmm. from 6 30 to 7 i would say we're mostly over 50 (laughs) Right, you know? and uh, 
and uh, Willie Tyler and Lester were there, but but he didn't he did not bring out Lester yet. He's a, a ventriloquist, if you guys aren't familiar. And I yeah. I uh, I remember being a kid looking at the Sears Wish Book, you know, at Christmas time, the Sears catalog, and and they'd have right. the Willie Tyler and Lester ventriloquist dummy doll, and it was like the coolest thing to to finally meet him, you know, when I became a regular yeah. at the comedy store. Yeah, I, I guess I'd seen him around enough times to where I was like, oh, there's Willie Tyler and Lester. You know, but um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah, I think the first time I saw him, I felt the same way. I was like, wow, he, he had a puppet in the stores. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think Bobby Lee posted a picture and he's like, with him and and he's like, this is the only photo I'm excited about. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was a, you know, I stayed at the condo with him once down in La Jolla. You know, we did the comedy store in La Jolla back when they put everyone uh, in the condo, not the hotels. W- Willie Tyler or Bobby Lee? No, Willie Tyler and Lester. And I remember that mo- it was in the 90s. And I remember him uh, like waking up early on a Saturday and he's like, well, I got to go buy some sprinkler heads. I'll I'll see you later at the show. Like he had to go buy some stuff for his home. And I was thinking like, that's cool, you know. Like, like this guy's a homeowner. <laughs> that really is cool. Yeah. <laughs> buying, buying sprinkler heads. I know. <laughs> so people are like, oh, so did you and Lester hook up a threesome? No, the little puppet. Yeah. No. Yeah, your your definition of cool is far different from mine, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had to watch him buy sprinkler heads. <laughs> yeah. The little, uh, yeah, that was cool. I, uh, I also stayed at the uh, condo one time with Ralphie May. Oh, yeah. Ralphie May, I remember. Uh, yeah, Ralphie May. Anyways, that was uh, that was that was a uh, that was cool. The fifty year anniversary, man. That was it was really neat yeah. to see people I hadn't seen in a while. And yeah, it was cool. They did that whole in memoriam thing. Speaking of Ralphie, you know, they uh, did a whole video on comics that we've lost and stuff. You know, the Buddy uh, Rich band was playing. Yeah, and they were great. Uh, I, I felt kind of bad for them because. The I I don't know the name of the the drummer, but he was kind of like making comments about how people were walking out while they were playing and stuff like oh. that. And uh, he was like, "Could you guys maybe have your friends come back in the room because we're about to sing a song?" And nobody was really like into that. And I I didn't want to say it, but it's like someone should have said, "It's like don't take it personally. It's just it's not your night." You know? Yeah, like, yeah, comedians here. Yep. To be around each other and and catch up and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, some comedians hadn't seen e- people hadn't seen each other in two years. Some hadn't seen each other probably in fifteen twenty years. Like uh, there was comics yeah. that flew from, you know, the the East Coast. Uh, I saw online they were like, you know, I hadn't seen people in twenty five years or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then some comics I saw afterwards, um, they, they said that they go, you know, I enjoyed my time and it's probably the last time I'll be at the comedy store. They're like, I was there, you know, almost every night for 20 years. And I think that time has passed and it was good to see everybody and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like well, they, that's, uh, I think that's, it's like any kind of work, you know, you put a large part of your life into it and then eventually you get older and, uh, it's not that it becomes less important. It's just, you have more responsibilities and other stuff to do, you know? Yeah. Or maybe, maybe, and also maybe you feel like maybe they don't like some of those emotions that stirred up, you know, like, Hey, I was here every night from 78 to 1998 and I'm back now and I don't really know too many people. And what's the point, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a bummer. 
you know. But then uh, people, okay. even on the on that, they joked around. They're like, like uh, if you know, if my mem- one guy wrote, if my memorial is held there, will you come? The guy goes, okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fine. Yeah, he probably just felt that way, like that night or the next day, like you know. Who who wrote this? Or Jackson specific- Jackson Purdue. Jackson Purdue. Oh, okay. There's yeah. a there's a Facebook group. I think it's called like uh, Mitchie Shores Comedy Store Facebook or book or something like that. So it's, it's some of the comics that are. It's kind of interesting because sometimes I can go in there and you know, like the other day I wrote, like, does anyone know who the comic is that opened for Jackie? I'm sorry for um, Frank Sinatra. Here's the clip of it, and uh, you know, those are. The, I think one of them was the guy. Check out Jackie Gale. I believe that's Jackie Gale. Yeah. You know, and so I looked up. Jack- I'm like, well, who's Jackie Gale? Then I looked up Jackie Gale, and did, were you ever at the comedy store when um, the uh, gosh, I forget his name right now, the uh, flamboyant guy was there in the end of the '90s, the early 2000s. He had the Belly Room show. Uh, Skippy Low, Skippy Low. Did you ever do those no. shows? So Skip, his name is Skip E. Low, and yeah. he, um, a guy, senior citizen, flamboyantly gay guy, and he would host a show there, and he'd call all the guys Mary. You're next, Mary. <laughs> he would do that. And the, anyways, that guy, he, he had like his own cable access show, and he would uh, interview people and stuff. So I was looking up videos. Apparently, he interviewed Chuck McCann and... Some of these other like famous like Hollywood the t- writers for the Tonight Show and actors and and yeah. um, and I was watching some Jackie Gale and some of those guys. I remember one time seeing Skippy Low in the at the bottom of the belly room in the hallway, looking into the main room of the comedy store, and on stage was Martin Lawrence. This is probably like ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, somewhere in there. And and Martin Lawrence was on stage using a very salty language, very salty language. Uh-huh. And Skip E. Lowe had no idea who he was. And he turned to me and he goes, he'll never make it in showbiz with that mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. I remember like uh, the, not the night of, but the night after. No, not, well, this last Saturday. I was at the store and uh, a guy was talking to me and he goes, As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you know Guy Tori? And I was like, uh, yeah, he was on, he was in Poetic Justice and he's a uh, regular here. And he also did uh, Deaf Comedy Jam. He hosted for a while there. Uh, you know, after the first host left and he was like, well, you know, he, he did a show here in the belly room. Uh, that's, that's what these other people know. The other comics that were around would know. And I was like, yeah, I I mentioned he was a regular here. And he was like, well, that show I'll have, you know, got moved to the main room and, uh, he ran it there for 10 years. And I was like, Okay. I was like, I was mentioning like relevant TV and movie credits that I thought they would know. (laughs) And he was like, you don't know your comedy store history. I was like, there's 50,000 shows that have come through this place that different people have done. These guys aren't time travelers. They were never going to see that stuff. I I mentioned stuff he did. But what it reminded me of was that, that, and I'm glad there wasn't much of this on the 50th. This is what I was really expecting. Yeah. It's that... Do you have any idea who you're talking to? Attitude. Yeah. That a lot of comics that really just never made it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if you have to ask that question, then they don't have any idea who they're talking to. Right. And maybe you have quite the impact you thought you had. You know? That's true. You know, it's like, if, if, if that even has to cross your mind, oh, these people don't know who they're talking to, then don't double down on it, you know. Don't. Oh yeah, there was none of that. Huh? Like sometimes you'll go to yeah, like on a regular night when it's when it's not a party like that, and you'll be, you know, at the somewhere like improv bar, someplace. You know, you're right. Some people can get that attitude, that little chip on their shoulder, and I don't like that. Yeah, it's like the I hate it, and it's like you know, not that you should really compare yourself to other people too much. But have an idea of where you stand in the the massive scope of entertainment that we're in, you know, and don't get mad at people for not knowing who you are. Oh, yeah. You know? I was definitely one in, in the mode uh, at, at that party to keep my mouth shut and listen more because I was I, I knew there was comedy history all around me and I wanted to hear every word of it. You know, I, yeah. I, I heard Tom Dreesen telling a story about Sammy Davis Jr., uh, losing his temper because he thought someone called him buckwheat, but it turns out the guy was saying something about meat and it rhymes with buckwheat. And then, oh, you know, yeah. and I, I want to hear that. I'm going to get him on the podcast and have him tell that story, but how Sammy, oh, you know, once they, you know, 
told him what was said. Sammy apologized to the guy, you know, signed autographs, you know, gave him a bottle yeah. of wine. Like, it was so, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like, I I was like, I'm not, I'm not I want to hear these kind of stories. This is what I came here for. Like, I, you know, exactly. Not to tell people, do you guys realize I've, uh, I've uploaded my 220th episode of the Pocket Party podcast? <laughs> yeah. Why aren't they rolling out the red carpet for me? <laughs> Dang yeah. it, you guys. Come on. I've been headlining the ha ha com- You know, it's like, no, I want to hear, you know, that. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're like, oh, I, I've played here for 20 years. You're talking to someone who like opened for Sinatra at the Copa. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Something like that. You know, like there was a guy who had, you know, there was a guy who had, um, like these Elvis style, Elvis Presley style glasses. When I was in the main room, Uh like, uh, watching, uh, you know, when they, when they played that song Birdland by the much, much older gentleman. Yeah. Much. He was probably in his eighties and he had, yeah. Yep. You saw him and then his wife, the old school Friars club guy. Yeah. You know, and, and I found out who he was and it turns out he used to live across from the comedy store when it was Ciro's and he has a, uh, he's a big Cadillac, um, dealership and he's been dealing Cadillacs, you know, selling Cadillac. He sold Mitzi, the limousine and her, and her, and her Cadillac. And so he, that's how he knew, you know, the, and, and also he was telling us that when he lived at the apartment complex back when it was like the beginning of like comedy store and that whole era, like he said, Oh yeah, all the comics would come to town. They'd stay at that, that apartment. And he goes in and, and around the, the swimming pool. He goes, that's, I think he goes to get Jackie Gale. He named all these, some of the comics, I didn't know who they were. And some I did. Yeah. And then the lady, was probably like his his uh, trophy wife, I would imagine, or she was a very lovely <laughs> yeah. lady. She was a little bit younger. She was younger than him, and they were just the nicest couple. You know, he's like this Italian guy, and she was she's like, oh yeah, she's like Pat Cooper did some time at our wedding, and she was naming all these classic comics. I was like, this is so cool. And then I grabbed Wayne Fetterman. I don't know if you know Wayne Fetterman. He oh wrote, yeah, sure. And he wrote a book about the history of comedy, and also I think he teaches like a course at UCLA, and. So he's one of those guys that knows the names, and he. So I go, Wayne, you got to meet this guy. And so they, those guys were chopping it up for like fifteen minutes, and they were like, the guy was like, Wayne was like, where are you from? And he goes, he's like, uh, I'm from Maryland, and I, my dream was to always come to Hollywood and and go to the Ciro's. And he's like, I I went from um, Maryland to Miami, and then. <clears throat> Wayne was like, "Did you ever play the? Or did you ever go to the fountain? Is it called the Fountain Blue or the Blue Fountain? Fountain Blue, the Fountain, yeah, Fountain Blue, something like that." And the and, and he's like, "Oh, I went there and I was there the night Muggsy Malone or whatever." And he was like telling all these stories, <laughs> and I was like, "This is so cool! It's like a, it's like I'm listening to a podcast, but it's like right here, right now, in real time." You know? Yeah, <laughs> you should have said that to them. They, they I know, murdered. right? Yeah. It was like an interactive podcast. It's called Darren. It's called a conversation. It's called a con- yeah, it's real life, Darren. You're in real life. This is like a podcast, bro. No, it's like a, yeah. Anyways, well, Mike, man, dude, thanks for coming on, and uh, let's get you back on. And, and anything in closing you want to say? Is there anything uh, I'm leaving yeah, out? Yeah, I, I think I've told this before, but we were talking about Sinatra, where it was a kind of funny when I first worked with John Panette in Arizona. The first thing he did when he met me is he he had like a plate of avocado in front of him, and he said, "I eat this because it's supposed to be good fat, kind of <laughs> like me, you know." And <laughs> and I laughed, and he gave me a hundred dollars. Wow! And he goes, "This is for coming out and doing the shows with me. Thank you." And I was like, "Wow!" That weekend on his last show, he threw a pizza party for the staff. 
tipped all of them 20 bucks, gave them a signed copy of his DVD, like anyone that wanted one. And I asked, I was like, you really take care of uh, everybody, don't you? And he was like, yeah, I learned that from Mr. S. And I was like, Mr. S, who is that? And we worked together a few more times and he kept bringing up Mr. S. And finally I was like, John, I'm embarrassed to ask you this, but who's Mr. S? And he goes, oh, Mr. Sinatra. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I used to open for Mr. Sinatra before he passed away. And I was like, oh, my God. And wow. he, had, he had gotten that job by getting fired by Kenny Rogers. Wow. He, he was working. At, this is a, a, an amazing thing. He was working at uh, Bally's, you know, across from Caesar. Yeah. And Kenny Rogers was had a show there, and uh, he would have him open for him. But Kenny Rogers, being Kenny Rogers, had a very clean show. Well, one night, John accidentally dropped an F-bomb. Mm. And Kenny Rogers brings him in, and he goes, Buddy, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not up to me, but they're making me let you go. Uh, you know, you dropped an F-bomb tonight. And John's response was, are you shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I'm real sorry, but I, I know something's going to, you're going to land on your feet. Don't even worry about it. He said he didn't get back up to his room before Kenny Rogers had made a few calls on his behalf. Wow. He got back to his room. There was a message on the machine. And it was like, uh, this is Vic Pitacata over at uh, Caesar's Palace. I am the booking agent that handles uh, Mr. Sinatra's shows. Uh, we were we understand that you're free now and uh, would be able to open for us this week. Would that be possible? Would you be interested in doing that? And he got to work with him for right up until the week that he died. Wow. And he said that on the last week, Frank kind of knew it was his last week. And he performed all, he wanted to perform right up until he died. Mm. And so he told him on the last week, he was like, I want Rickles to be my guy on the last week. Uh, so tonight will be your last night. You'll do 10 up front and then Rickles will do his time. And, but that'll be like your farewell thing. And he was like, I, you were fantastic. But, you know, it's got to be Rickles for my last week. Mm. It, to, to have the presence of mind to know that, you know. But so he was like, it was my last set for him. And it's at Caesars and it's this bold, sold out show. He was like, I, he was like, I'm not trying to brag, but I murdered. He was like, I killed. I got a standing ovation. Yeah, wow. Doing a 10 minute set. He got a standing ovation. He, he goes, and now, ladies and gentlemen, Don Rickles. Don Rickles <laughs> comes up, hugs him, whispers, but does it where the microphone can pick it up. And he goes, you'll get him next time, kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love those stories. And that's, that's not that I'm not there now, but I would, I would. Maybe I am. I don't know, but I do want to. Wouldn't you? I would. I want to be so good that that kind of stuff happens. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And maybe yeah, I already am. Is. Maybe we already are. But but yeah, but who knows? You know, I met George Gray once. I don't know if you know George Gray, voice of oh, uh, Price is Right, and with the oh, sure yeah. Is it the Price is Right with 
with uh, Drew Carey? Yeah, he used to run with the Hell's Angels. Did he? George Gray? He's a younger guy? No, I don't know. No. no, no it's like, what the heck? Yeah. But George Gray, one time I saw him, and maybe this is just a nice thing to say, but uh, you know, he's a really cool guy. I, I, you know, And I saw him one night, and I go, man, you're so, you know, because he's always so friendly. And I go, and, and somehow, I don't know what he said to me. I don't know how this came out, but it was a nice compliment. He goes, Darren, he goes, you did, the, the, the right person that can help your career just hasn't found you yet. That's all. You're already there, baby. But he didn't say baby, but he, he made it sound like, like he just, <laughs> but it felt like he said baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe because we're doing the whole Frank Sinatra talk, but that's what he said. He said the right person that to help. And I think sometimes that's what it is, right? Like, like if the right person sees Mike black, boom, you're that's it, man. You're they're Did opening doors that- for you. You just keep watching that little house on the prairie. Exactly. <laughs> Things are going to start going yeah. your way. <laughs> I know. Hey, babe. Hey, man. You just haven't, the right person just hasn't found you, but you're already there. But I mean, yeah. imagine like just how great that would be like to go out to that killer 10 minutes, get the, get the crowd like ah, Don Rickles, boom. And then. Oh know. yeah. Any, anytime someone that you admire uh, gives you a compliment, like the, the other night, I, I'm a big fan of Tom Rhodes, you know, oh, me great, too. great comic. And, uh, I did my set and sat back down and didn't realize it, but he was sitting two chairs over in the, you know, where the regular sit in the OR. Yep. And he, he kind of chucked me on the shoulder and it was like, I, I never got to see you before. That was really great. And I was like over the moon, you know, that made the week for me. You know? Oh, it's so cool. So that the stuff like that is, is, uh, one of the best things that you get out of this that no one really talks about is, you know, like ball players, they don't really get that because everyone kind of ages out with athletes and stuff. Yeah. We don't have an old timers day. You can do this the rest of your life. And right from the beginning, you can work with people that you saw on TV you know, here and there randomly, you never know. One of the the first year that I became a paid regular at the comedy store, I remember sitting in the back, like you said, where the comics would sit. And um, sometimes I'd be on those same shows with Richard Pryor. Like they'd give me the, you know, let's say the show started at nine. I'd be up like at, you know, from nine to nine 15 or from nine 15 to nine 30. And then there'd be, you know, one, one comic or one or two comics and then Richard Pryor. And so I remember doing my set, sitting back in those chairs and Mitzi would always sit that far, the one closest to the stairs, you know, the, the far one. And so Mitzi would sit there and so I'd always put like a couple chairs between me and Mitzi because, you know, you just didn't, I didn't want to, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, invade no, the... you don't want to bother Mitzi while she's working. <laughs> right. And so one night I was there, you know, there was, a, there was three empty chairs to the right. There was Mitzi, Richard Pryor's wife, an empty chair, and then me. And so mm-hmm. Richard Pryor's wife leans over to me and she goes, excuse me. And I was thinking, oh, God. And so I immediately started to stand up. She goes, no, 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 sit down. Because I thought, oh, she wants me to leave. Like, this is for the, quote, unquote, important people. And she goes, I just want to say you are really, really funny. And I was like, oh, oh, thank you. And that meant the world to me because I'm thinking this is is Richard Pryor's wife. I mean, maybe it was his eighth wife, but whatever. It was like (laughs) somebody who who knew funny and had, you know, she didn't have to say crap to me. And she did. And I thought that was so cool. Yeah, clearly, if she married him, she has a decent sense of humor. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. Uh, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. And like, 
you know, when you were talking about the party and how, like, you know, you, you're kind of in awe of different people and stuff, it, it's like now, it, you know, at the 60th, people are going to be like that with you. They'll be like, that guy was around when Richard Pryor was on stage. Oh, and man. Stuff, you know, and like, uh, like when, when I talk to comics now, they're like, wait, you were passed by Mitzi? <laughs> they're like, <laughs> that was like a long time ago now, you know? I and, know. Uh, so yeah, like we're becoming the people that have those sort of stories, you know. I know. I wonder who opens up for Michael Bublé. I wonder if he has wow. a comic. If he has any comics that open for him, I'm just curious. I think you should send him your resume. I know. Like, hey, listen, man, I'm really into Frank Sinatra. He's no longer around, but you're sort of like Frank Sinatra. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of like the new Tom Dreesen. <laughs> 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 Not really, though. But. You're exactly like the new Tom Dreesen. <laughs> I know. And then he looks up like the wrong tape of me, or the like from like you know what I mean? Where I'm like, beep up. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, bitch, I'm Snoop Dogg. Bow, wow, mother. You know, he, he, he just writes back, who's Tom Dreesen? Who's Tom Dreesen? <laughs> I'm like, no, don't look at any of my stuff from like before 2005. That was when I, you know. Oh, that doesn't send up a red flag. Uh, yeah, exactly. Don't look up any of any, don't Google anything about me before 2005. <laughs> yeah, I just, re, you know, ever, ever since my son turned around four, I was like, I better write clean material so I can open up for Michael <laughs> Bublé. <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. But <laughs> I would start, I would start tagging him in your tweets now. <laughs> exactly. I've, I've been writing clean material for months. So I, I know. And then some Bublé. comics, what about like uh, Dean Del Rey and a few and Jim Brewer and these other guys that got to open for Metallica? But I don't think those are good gigs, though. You know, it, it's one of those things that it sounds good. I remember Bob Oshak, the great, hilarious comedy writer Bob Oshak, yeah, telling a story about how he opened for Metallica. But like when they were he had their first big boom, their first big success, and the, the way he was introduced was they were like. And it's like you would think everyone in show business knows show business, but it's just not the case. This was the intro they gave. They were like, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, everyone, woo, are you ready for Metallica? And everyone, yeah. <sighs> but first, a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> comedian. Bob yeah. Oshak and everyone, boo. You know? <laughs> and he just had to do his time through that, you know. Oh my gosh! I know. I can. I mean, seeing Jim Brewer is perfect because he imitates them. He knows the metal. He knows the music, and you yeah. know, gosh. Anyways, yeah, but it's like yeah. no one ever wants to see at a, at a rock concert. They don't want an opening act. They don't even want yeah. an opening band. Right. You know? Right. Like I got to open up for some bands in my career and you, you, the the ones that were better was the audience was like over like 35 40 like that you don't want to open up for anybody that's you know and, and the music yeah. was a lot more mellow and it was it was great you know you don't well, want like to... i used to open for andrew dice clay and oh, yeah. his audience is very much a rock sort of crowd and they would boo you until you did a dirty joke and oh, then gosh. they were like kind of on your side and uh and i remember a guy was like some guy heckled you like we we came here to see dice and i was like do you think i don't have his permission to be up here oh that's do you, smart do you think i just stormed the stage he selected me to do this you know and then <laughs> that kind of calmed everyone down because because i think they kind of get that vibe that like 
uh, this person doesn't have any business being up there. Like, Dude, I would yeah, love I would love to do. open up for like either Metallica or Andrew Dice Clay, and then just most of my set would be just breaking down Little House on the Prairie episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's What's great about that is that the audience would absolutely hate it, of course. Yeah. But you know who would absolutely love it? Dice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dice would think it was the most hysterical thing in the world. He would be backstage dying. Tell him about think- season four, episode 11. <laughs> yeah. He would, he would have the time <laughs> of his life if that happened. <laughs> I know. And then their dads were creeping around watching him, and they're eating berries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He'd be like, I can't take no more. It's so good. I can't <laughs> take no more. <laughs> he'd be watching the audience from the curtains just dying oh my gosh i know mike you're the best man i'm gonna get out there and try to avoid rattlesnakes i'm gonna go for a little yeah. hike but, uh, <laughs> for god's sake be careful out there i know uh, you know leave a trail of breadcrumbs something <laughs> i will dude another great episode and thank you so much and guys do us a favor go to itunes leave a review leave a comment get spread the word of the pocket party and and mainly you could do all that that helps you know but go to youtube and just say something in, in the comments yeah, section any it's- kind of comments questions anything like that i check any of the episodes that i'm involved in yep and uh try and comment back if people ask questions or anything my uh my instagram is at mike black is back all one word you got it i'll be tagging you and man let's just keep growing it and i love what you're doing on stage and uh, i'll talk to you soon mike thank you you too brother have a good one you got it bye-bye everybody listen to darren carter we all know he's the party starter so if you want to listen to a podcast for free then listen to the pocket party As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.